Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome to the LARCast 2023, man. 2023. 2023. Uh, this is Russ today, your host with Jameson. How are you, Jameson? I'm doing good. Still alive. Still alive, still breathing. Mm-hmm. Amen for that. Tony's got the week off and we're kicking off this year with, uh, I feel like some encouraging insights, man. Definitely. Some some ahas over the year, some challenging insights, you could say, uh, but in a good way. And so we're definitely going to dig into that. And we've got we got a lot of ground to cover, man, in a short span. So without further delay and without me complaining about the fact that it is 2023 and as a kid who like went to the theater when Back to the Future came out. Okay, in the eighties. I thought for sure by now, bro, I'd be riding a hoverboard and it at minimum have those shoes that Michael J. Fox was sporting. But it's just not it's just not the case, man. I thought for sure by now, since I was born in eighty seven, that I would have seen the Bears do again what they did in eighty five. Mm. So I too am just in pain over here man just yeah. sad you know yeah I'm feeling yeah, it. it's like you know for you it's like another year of practicing plan to spare that's it <laughs> just put it in my checklist of things to do <laughs> oh man just kidding i did live in chicago for four years i do love that city um i do love the food in the summers i should say and i definitely became a Definitely became a Bears fan, you know, when I lived there. Don't don't mishear me. I'm not saying over <laughs> over my bucks. Only by proximity. <laughs> yeah, but you can't, man. You can't live there and not right. Like fall in love, uh, you know, with this team. So here we are, man. 2023, new year, new you. Right. That's what we hear. That's what you know. Constantly hearing. <laughs> um, it's uh, I laugh about. It. I mean, I I I feel like it's it's one of those things where you say it out loud and you're like, man, I so wish that was true. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> totally. <laughs> But the the like the realist in you is like, yeah, so no, it's just same, same me. And that's January, okay. January 6th rolls around and you're like <laughs> you just yeah, laugh yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. Same, same me. So um anyhow, New Year's resolutions, big thing, man, it always comes around. Goals for the year, things like that. To be frank and honest, I'm not good at them. I never have been. I've tried them in the past. Um, I sometimes make it to the end of January. <clears throat> but not normally. And, um, but cheers, man, to all those of you out there who set some goals and stick to them. I love it. More power but to in, you. Yeah. In, in thinking about it though, which I've been doing a lot. Uh, I, I don't know why, man. I've been on this like reflective kick a lot lately. And, but in thinking about like this year and kind of going into it and some goals and ideas and hopes and dreams that you say, or I say, you know, that I have this year. Um, I was reminded that Jesus, according to Jesus, uh, tomorrow is a myth. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but it's just true. 
right? Tomorrow really is a myth. The only thing we have is today. And today is sufficient. And and of course, we have the past, right? We have all the things that have gone on before us that have led right to today. Mm-hmm. And so in thinking about this year, I kind of found myself thinking more about today and the things that I'd really love to press into, the things that I would love to be, to be reminded of, the things that I would like to uh, give back to, you know what I'm saying? And looking back over the years, that's kind of where my head's been. And it really led me on this rabbit trail, man, of just Lark in general, right? It's not me. It's a, it's a ministry. It's, but it's not me. It's never been me. It's not you. It's not Tony. It's not Sarah. It's not Krista. It's, it's a dude. It's, it's people everywhere, man, that are connected to this good news and passing on of this good news throughout the U S and even beyond. And I started thinking about like, man, just what led, you know, to this ministry. And I found myself really just pressing in on man, like the heart of that thing 10 years ago when it started out as table network today, it's called Lark, by the way, if you're new to this, um, the heart of what led to that, man, that, that aha, it's not sexy. It's not scientific. It's not something you can write, like lay out on a really cool, you know, triangle shaped Rob Bell whiteboard, you know what I'm saying? Like you just draw all over and wow minds. It was really just me after 14 years of ministry, man, coming to this conclusion that, uh, yeah, what I know and do and lead in the name of church will does not allow me to truly enter into the making of disciples as Jesus said, right? And for two reasons, I'll just share these quickly, man, and I'm going to stop because uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts because I know you've got some ahas in relation to this and why that matters today to you, to me, to everyone who's listening to this, mm-hmm. to all of us. So let me just share quickly like, just what I mean, because whenever I make that statement to people in traveling, especially like, yeah, I, we were successful in the church world. We had all the metrics to prove it. I didn't have like this bad experience. It wasn't all oh, man. The ministry sucked and it was tanking and there was no money and we had to leave. It was the opposite of that. It was actually me going, yeah, man, I can't, in light of what I'm learning about making disciples, according to Jesus, I can't do this in word and in word and practice. And that always like throws a red flag. So again, give me a second to explain this. When I say, I couldn't do it by word. I mean, I couldn't teach what Jesus really said, okay? Because it doesn't sell, dude. Yeah. yeah. Indiscriminate, inexhaustible grace, okay? Acceptance from God does not sell to a world in love with doing. We love the merit to merit system. So when you're talking about a humanity that longs for a sense of control, myself included, um, Unconditional grace, man, is unwelcomed and a faith marked by complete and utter dependence on what Jesus did, not what you're doing, all right, is undesired. So with the nature of what has become church being so reliant, okay, on popularity for sustainability, just to be clear, what you're doing has to attract more people, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You need more volunteers and more giving for this to be sustainable and continue to move forward. All right. So with the, again, with the nature of what has become church, how we think of it being so reliant on 
popularity for sustainability. The undiluted message of Jesus is as much a problem for us as it was for him. Okay. So that was like, aha, number one, I can't keep teaching what I'm learning. Jesus really said, dude, and keep my job. All right. And then number two, like I said, when I was referring to like, I couldn't do this in practice. I mean, I couldn't spend my time doing what Jesus did for the simple reason I had no time to do it, man. All right. I knew adults learn on a need to know basis. It's a proven fact. But the weight of church programming had me relying on sermons instead of conversations. I'm not anti-sermons. I think they're great to inform and to inspire. But as far as like imparting truth, there's a breakdown, right? There's something you can't get to the way you can in a real face-to-face conversation working through someone's actual story, right? Helping them learn where they really need to know, all right? Mm -hmm. And I just simply didn't have the time for it. And then also, you know, just with that, man, two sides of the same coin here. I knew that 80% of people outside the church have no interest in attending a church service of any kind. That's a proven fact. That number is increasing, by the way, not decreasing. So the platform that we have, no matter how good we think it is, it's irrelevant, okay, to eight out of 10 people who are outside. Like they're not, they're not coming no matter who invites them. And man, just seeing that, I'm like, dude, if that's the case, I also don't have any time for them, all right? Because within a typical church structure, you find a weekend service and a weekly community group to participate in, all right, at minimum, right? You might also find right, groups. And I'm not saying across the board, but that is the vast majority, okay, of how churches in the, in the West operate. And because proximity creates relationships, this is something I was learning then, because proximity creates relationship, right? The friendships formed there, all right? They also go beyond the gatherings that we attend, all right? So to not be a part of these gatherings is basically to not be connected. I mean, there's just no way to get around it. But in being connected to everybody through these things that we do, dude, I and others had no time to build real friendships among those who were outside and uninterested. There simply wasn't enough margin in the calendar to do it. And so that's what I'm saying is like, there was this aha of my heart's for a world that's drowning in religion. And there's this beautiful freedom and relief and rest and adventure that's found in Jesus. And it's already theirs, right? We we just don't see it. And what I was operating in and leading in, in the name of church, which is quite popular throughout the West, doesn't allow me to do the very thing Jesus told us to do, go and make disciples. And I couldn't do it, like I said, man, in in word or in practice. That was the aha that led to the start of all this. That Those conversations with people is where I have seen bar none the most fruit in regards to people finding the freedom Jesus actually promised and living into it. Right. <clears throat> and dude, my aha, man, over the year of, of, of getting back more to that has been like, wow, dude, that that's what I want to run in today. And I hope tomorrow, but definitely today. So well, spare me the, sorry, sorry about the little longer rant than the norm, man, but again, energized. So dude, where are you at in that, man? It, you know, it, there's a, there's a really important correlation that I want to draw that to remind you, <laughs> Russ, but also <laughs> especially people listening. And that's that. Please do. We have a huge advantage, man, 
in a way because we've spent so much time and you more than any of us um, because you started rethinking a lot of this in 2013. The advantage is the amount of time and drilling and deep dive and conversations and question asking and the list goes on and on of what we've done as a team about discipleship, about what Jesus said. Um, We've been so focused on that. And I'm not saying this at all in like an arrogant or superior way, but we have spent so much time in such a specific conversation that I think it's, it's an absolute beautiful offering that we bring to the table to help Mm -hmm. people think about that stuff, to look at Jesus and to look at scripture and to look at church through the lens of the finished work of Jesus. That's something that we've been bringing to the table that I don't think you're going to find many other places because we've just zeroed in on it, right? For a really long time. That's really important. And here's one of the other reasons why you mentioned eight out of 10 people aren't who are not in the church are not going to visit a church gathering of any kind. Well, Another eight out of 10 people who do go to church regularly, who say they attend regularly, they don't know what the Great Commission is. Mm. Okay, so you take that a step further and you look at something else that Barna Research has put out, and that's that most churchgoers, church attenders, are not comfortable, they do not feel equipped to disciple someone else most. I can't remember the exact number. It's another eight or nine out of 10 situation. What that means, and people have known this for a long time, and there's lots of different movements of trying to fix the problem. Um, But they're all based on mediums, methods um, that Mm kind of can't help but pay attention more attention to metrics than anything else. Whereas for us, and this is what I think this conversation is probably most specifically about, and in my mind and heart, even in the last 12 months, has just come jumping off the page. That's that we're saying fixing mediums isn't really going to fix our problems. As <laughs> if we look at the Western church and we're all down on how it's doing and the massive decline in attendance and those the the stats we just said right they look kind of grim um if we're just despairing over that and trying to figure out ways to to just fix it i think we're missing the point so for me the thing that stood off the page this last year and why i don't really make resolutions either because not that good at them um and i'm a pretty like do what I said I was going to do guy, but like a 12 month resolution that's about making me better ends up. I just, I just fall on my face. (laughs) Um, (laughs) what I've seen though, and especially in conversations about faith and church and Jesus and truth is that I want to always come back to the anchor. Mm. All right. Stop right there. The anchor. Yep. So just thinking through, okay, we have this beautiful news of freedom from Jesus. It's beautiful when we let it be undiluted, right? Like that's where the scandalous, reckless grace that really truly sets people free, right? That, that's where it flows. Mm-hmm. We have this simple 
mission that he's invited us into this, right? Matthew 28, we talk a lot about it. If you're new to the conversation after the ascension, Jesus is like, look guys, this is simple. Um, and this is like going right with like the Greek translation, right? As you are going through your everyday life, disciple people. Okay. That's what Jesus says to every single believer. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to walk. Okay. By faith in my words, teach them to walk in what I've declared here. And what, what the aha that led to all this is seeing that, seeing that all these various disconnects to that, seeing all the various ways we try to go about that through all these different approaches that we've got in the name of church. And then of course, you know, seeing all the breakdowns and then even the disinterest from it, and it can be gloomy. Pull all that into mind, right? That's kind of what we're doing. And I'm inviting you, right? Those who are listening to do that. And with that said, okay, with that in mind, and the reason why I wanted to hit that pause button and just bring all that into mind, bro, into view is because when you shared with me the other day about your big aha over the last year was just the importance of the anchor. And you went on to explain that, man. Like, I know there was a time in the past where you used to work as a, like, as a resident for me in Chicago, where you were taking all the notes, <laughs> right? As I was teaching and talking and leading a meeting or whatever. And bro, when you went into that, I was like, like writing down every single word you were saying. <laughs> I was like, this is some of the best stuff I've heard all year. So that said, when you talk about just the importance of having that view in mind and then the role the anchor plays, dude, share that. Yeah. Well, and thank you for saying that. I'm, for me, in wanting to come back to the anchor, that started out because of the the like gasp that I experienced when I saw it, <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> well, if that's true, Oh man. I mean, it literally takes the words away. Um, mm. And what I'm speaking to most specifically is who Jesus is. Yeah. Because if you get away from reckoning with what scripture tells you about who Jesus is, well, then you're going to keep spinning your wheels, trying to do things that he claimed to do, to have already done sufficiently, which you can't do, which you will never become capable of doing. And here's the kicker that he never told you to do <laughs> in the first place, in the first place. That and is the like, whoa. So putting it into really clear terms, and I can't remember if it's. I don't know if we've said it somewhere yet or not, but in one of the blogs this year, I wrote down uh, an aha that I kind of gathered from reading Capen and Kruger and everybody they quote. And here it is. It's the God who has been faced or the one who has been face to face with the father for all eternity. Okay. That's Jesus. The one who has been face to face with the father for all eternity has come to be face to face next to us with the gods of our imaginations, with all of the mm. gods that we fear, with all of the gods that we have been bowing down to and groveling under. Jesus, who has been face-to-face -face with the Father, has come to be face-to-face -face with the gods of our imaginations. If that's true, 
then Jesus didn't come to fix our obedience per se. He came to help us see that the gods we believe in are not his father. (laughs) And that's so freeing. And that makes my chest heave because I've spent a lot of time and a lot of other people's (laughs) funding because I've been a pastor for a long time, right? I've spent so much time, money, and energy trying to help people become more obedient, to help them become more faithful, right? To increase in faithfulness or whatever you want to call spiritual productivity. Overcoming some like sin or struggle in their life. And then it's on to like the next one and then the next one and like conquering these things. And when you get to a certain point, you can do that for other people (laughs) or lead them through it. And what I came to realize is if Jesus is with us, if Emmanuel is true, God with us, well, that means that I didn't make that happen, that I can't undo it, Mm -hmm. and I can therefore trust that it's true. And trusting that it's true is very different than living as if I can lose it. It's very different than a lifestyle that is basically full of fear that I could screw this thing up. I could still mess this up. I could still really royally screw the pooch. (laughs) Which is a very, very important piece of information just to grab onto because as we've gone about discipling people and helping them live into this, one thing that we constantly see is there's a camp that's always going, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Unconditional grace. God's not for us earning our salvation. I'm all for it. But as Dallas Willard said, okay, God, yes, he's opposed to earning, but he's not opposed to effort. And that's where that all of a sudden this thinking comes in that there's an effort that's that he somehow needs on your part. To which I'm not, you know, dissing on Dallas Willard. I know there's some things that he said that I'm like, amen. But for me personally, that that statement in light of what Jesus has declared in the entire book of Galatians is false. That's false. God's actually opposed to you running around in your efforts to make something more of yourself for him. Because it's denying the very reality of your existence in him. Like you had nothing to do with creation. You have nothing to do, right? With this acceptance. And that man, that, that was like an, that was, that was definitely like a needed, uh, a needed brick man in the wall for me. Yep. It changes everything about discipleship. Um, because if we're dealing with something that's already true versus something we make true by our faith or by our confession or repentance or by our faithfulness or whatever, we've got to change what it looks like to sit with people. And you and I, and Tony, we've sat with people for hours, unending on phone calls, on zoom calls, in pubs, in backyard campfires. I mean, just. There's not many places we haven't sat down with people for very extended periods of time, not presenting a bunch of material to them, but listening, entering into stories, and then jumping into that back and forth dialogue of processing good news in light of the current situation or that person's moment or ours even. And right. here's what for me. So you're me, talking about like what Jesus did? A little bit. it felt it looks so informal and unplanned like you follow jesus through the gospels and you're like he didn't 
seem to have a blueprint other than he's like, I'm going to Jerusalem. <laughs> that was his one thing he knew he was going to do. He put that one in the books. It wasn't a calendar. He just suddenly no. said, now is the time, right? I've come to die. And one day I will get to Jerusalem and that's where I will die for the sins of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we will spend more time talking about the unplanned life of Jesus in days to come. But the yeah. second aha for me coming out of that Jesus face to face with the father and then face to face with the gods of our imaginations, how that relates to discipleship. Like the implication is this is really simple. Um, worked really hard to put this into a few words. So here you go. Discipleship doesn't set you free. Doesn't set anybody else free. Discipleship is about convincing you that you are free. <laughs> Do you see the difference? Major difference. Right? Like, yeah. And I, I've spent so much time in the former doing, mm -hmm. trying to get people to be free believing that once they do a bunch of certain things, well, then they'll be free. Not realizing like, no, they already are because Jesus is here and he's never left and he was never gone and he was never absent. He is in you. You are in him. And the fact that that's true makes this next one insane. He's in the father. <laughs> right. So that's good news. Oh yeah. And it's, it's like, it's in it's in the Bible, right? Like this this isn't something we came up with. Or, no, this is not novel. <laughs> no, no, this is like in the scriptures, staring at us face to face. But oftentimes, let's just be honest, hard to find. Right? Pathways to the actual freedom that we have in Jesus are hard to find in yes. this world. Everyone and their mother, including those in Christianity, are leaning a lat against the wall and saying, "This is how you climb." It's contrary to the entire life and message of God himself who became flesh and dwelt among us and then brought about this union, right? That we're, that we're rejoicing in. And so I think that all plays like a very pivotal role, man, because at the core of what we're talking about, this anchor, man, that you were talking about is, is the anchor of the person, Jesus. So when you're looking at him saying, those of you who believe, as you're going through life, this is the one thing I'm inviting you into, okay? Which is, let's just be honest. You know, we talk about so many people not knowing this and of course not walking in this, myself included throughout life at, you know, various times. And I just sometimes find myself going, man, we're, we have all these things that we're faithful to in the name of like church that are nowhere in the scriptures, and meanwhile, we have no time for the one thing, right, that he invited us all into as you're going, disciple people. It just means listen, be present, listen to their story, yep. listen to where they're at right now. When I say story, sometimes we think like, oh, yeah, like their testimony. I'm like, no, get the get the church filter out of your mind. Their story. What, what are they dealing with right now? What just happened to them 15 minutes ago that they're all bothered about? It can be anything. All I'm getting at Who is are they? on a need to know <laughs> basis. So it's getting into who they are and their story and what they're yeah. struggling with or thinking about or celebrating or whatever. And you get these opportunities to bring up your story in light of that story. You get a chance to bring up the good news of God's story in the midst of this story. And you're not trying to get them free. You're trying to convince them to help them see, okay, that they already are. 
and to help them continue to live in this freedom. Because if I found anything in the name of Christianity, bro, in 24 years of ministry, is we will grab on to good news and freedom and we'll go walk in it for a season. But you let us get a little lonely and get around some people who right, might think differently about us. We will straight up completely change our minds and walk away from what God has said and grab on all forms of religion in the church, okay, in the name of church, and then, of course, outside of it. I mean, the, they say right now that the two the two largest religions in America, the ones that are growing the fastest, um, are the political left and the political right. <laughs> Don't mishear me. I know government plays a role and I know politics play a role. I'm a big fan of this thing we call a constitution just because it's like it was a time where a country was like, hey, I think everyone's already free. (laughs) Maybe we should make the highest law on the land. This 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 statement that that helps guide a government to protecting the freedom people already have. Amen. All for it. My point is you can start to run right left all sorts of directions with that and all of a sudden right you get these religions and and again it doesn't end there right we've talked about this it can be the home it can be raising kids it can be little league it can be the gym it can be right whatever man Mm -hmm. but i think what we're saying is when you look at who jesus is okay and really truly seeing what he's declared you find that dependence okay is being human. Leaning into that dependence is living a life of faith. The life of faith on Jesus alone and what he's done, not what you're doing, is freedom. And it's in that freedom, right, that you want to help other people live free and keep, which is what I was getting to earlier, keep living free. Because it's one thing to see and walk in it. But again, dude, everything around us is constantly coming in right? And choking that out. And I think that's the journey, man. That's what's in front of us. And it's, everyone's been invited into it. It's not complex. You don't need to be a leader. You don't need to be well-versed in all these passages. You don't need to have a pretty life. Yep. In fact, you trying to cover up what's real in your life, this is, this is crazy, actually hinders you from being able to truly connect with other fellow humans who need that's the same the, grace that you do. That's the connection, I think, and probably the greatest explanation for why what I mentioned earlier is true. And that's that most people that attend churches don't feel empowered or equipped to make disciples, to do discipleship. It's because they have not been able to put all their chips on that table of saying, it's okay if I'm known for who I really am. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that that's so profound. I think Robert Capon, a late theologian, we're a fan of, don't agree with him on everything, but there's a a bunch of things that we've been able to learn from his extensive, right. Study in Greek, Hebrew, you know, Latin, um, Aramaic. Uh, But he had some insights, man, on why that is. He had some insights in, as to why this freedom is so foreign to Christianity when it should be the very first thing that pops into our mind when we hear the word Christian. And also why it's so hard for people to even step outside of these church norms that we've created to go live their life among friends and neighbors. 
right? The way Jesus did. You got that thing handy, man? I got that quote. I know we had talked about that yesterday on a call, and I figured yeah. you might have it handy, but I just thought about it, and I'm like, dude. It's right here. What do you say? All right. This is Robert Capon in The Foolishness of Preaching. He says, our preachers tell us the wrong story entirely, saying not a word about the dark center of the gospel. They can't bring themselves to come within a country mile of the horrendous truth that we are saved in our deaths, not by our efforts to lead a good life. Mm. Instead, they mouth the canned recipes for successful living they think their congregations want to hear. It makes no difference what kind of success they urge on us. Spiritual or religious success is as irrelevant to the gospel as is success in health, money, or love. Nothing mm. counts but the cross. But Paul's words, yeah. For an even sadder thing, on the rare occasions when they do get around to proclaiming the outrageousness of salvation by the death of the divine, they can do it for no more than 15 minutes. In the last five minutes of the sermon, they meekly take back with the right hand of plausibility everything they so boldly set forth with the left hand of paradox. That last sentence is 10 gallons, and I just want to rephrase it because Dude. I think it's it's Capen can be hard to read. I've read a lot of pages a lot of times before realizing what he actually said. And what he says at the end there is in the last five minutes, when you drop those three points of what you can go do now with what you just heard, even if you make them very like covered in grace language, what you're doing is setting up for them this concept that the gospel is something you apply to your life that it's something mm -hmm. that you can live out that it's something that you can use and that you end up in framing it that way you end up dismantling the gospel itself <laughs> you can't yeah. apply this to your life you're alive because of the gospel you exist because of Jesus, creation came out of nothing. So did grace. Okay. Yeah. You have to see. Have a hand the, in it. <laughs> yep. You have to see the doctrine of creation and the doctrine of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, through Jesus alone, <laughs> as okay. Jesus, the one who reconciles you to others and to himself and to God. That's it. There's, there's no other, you, you can't apply that yeah. to your life. It's already true. It's the foundation of truth that makes all other truths true. Yep. We've got to let that one sink in. We've got to let that one trickle down into what we do and call discipleship. Yeah. That's where the and freedom in fact, lies. That's it. Yeah. Man. That's where the freedom lies. That that for me was discovering a lot of these truths, going to the scriptures, letting them speak for themselves for the first time in 15 years of ministry which I did again, 10 years ago, ironically this year. Yeah. It was 2013. And I can remember seeing all these things, seeing all the verses, all the passages in first Corinthians, Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Hebrews 10, right? I'm like going down you know, the list, all the gospels, right? Where you're reading what Jesus said, seeing all of this, and then still having this check in my spirit. That's like, yeah, but if all this is hinging on how God the Father is, man, I just don't know. 
Like I feel like that 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 ship can go either way real quick, just depending yeah. on how the wind's blowing. And uh <laughs> and scary. Seeing how, seeing how I'm the one that's constantly rocking the boat, that, that creates <laughs> this assurance. <laughs> you know what I mean? It makes this assurance a little bit not so assuring. But I think that's what we miss is that the whole time, if you go back and look, Jesus is showing us, yeah, you're free to stop projecting, you know, all of these, all of these, uh, you know, false ideas, false images that we have of God. And our listeners are going to have to hold on for just a second because my five-year-old is standing right next to me. (laughs) What's up, buddy? Listen to mom, okay? Watch after. Take care of it. See you, buddy. Okay. So, um. Anyways, the whole my whole point of that was it was in, in coming face to face with the God of my imaginations, with the God Jesus is actually revealing. That is where the I found that freedom, to go all in with the chips of faith, to lean into this dependence that allowed me to let go of so much of what was enslaving me. Right. And continue to, like I said, continue to believe this is true, which is why we're always in conversations with other people and with each other. Cause I think that's just where it happens best. I'm not anti formalized church. Right. Um, I do know a few that, that have something formal where they get together every Sunday and it's a beautiful, right. Celebration of this reckless grace. And then they free yeah. people up to go live into this in their communities. I'm like, amen, love it. But I'm just saying, bar, it's few and far between. For most, it's it's the grace, and just hear this, because this is my take on, this is like the Southern way of saying what Capen said. It's <laughs> the grace to law, alter, call. It's the grace to law, alter, call. We start out with this beautiful story of grace. And then it ends with, this is true for you. If you get it together, if you prove with your repentance, if you go and walk in these things, if you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And then we undo the very truth that sets us free to actually start walking in the things that are good. That's what's so ironic about it. But I think that's it, man. I think that's where my heart's at going this year. It's, it's really getting some new resources that we've got planned that are going to be coming out this year in regards to just this, this good news, man. Right. Yeah. And helping people really grab on to seeing what God is really like through what Jesus really said and did so they can learn to live in the freedom they already have. Are you ready for this? And help others live free. Yes. That's the kicker. That's the kicker. See this. Together, this message goes further. That's what I want to say to all of you who are listening. Together, this message goes further. It's one thing to grab on to this freedom and live into it and to keep living into it. That's why we're creating content. That's why we're posting on Instagram, like just different ways to encourage and podcast and, you know, the reclaim training that we've got out the book that you can find on the website that will help you go live into this, all of that. And then even some new things to help people keep reminding each other, keep encouraging one another that we're going to be starting this year so that we can not just live in the freedom, but help others live free. And it's conversations. It's friendship. It's letting the good news be as reckless as it is. It's being patient. It's being present. 
it's listening, right? Then speaking. And when you're speaking, it's speaking truth, not advice. There's a very mm-hmm. big difference. Um, these are like simple ways to begin, you know what I mean? Looking at this. It's understanding that you are the church because of a deed and declaration of Jesus. It's not something you need to go to. It's actually who you are. Mm-hmm. And you can hit a pause button and encourage, right? And be encouraged with your spouse, among your kids, you know, with a buddy down the road who's starting to grab on to good news, with a couple of believers you know who are a few neighborhoods away, but they're passing on good news there, and you find a way to get dinner together. I'm just saying there's a million ways yep. to, as you're to going. stay encouraged as you're going. The key to me in all this, though, is it's just getting back to and helping people get back to the actual helping of others live free. That is what Jesus has invited us into. Yep. Period, man. And it's we a lot more let it be fun. daunting. Yeah. It's a lot more fun not... that way because you're not trying to get something in limbo to become solid. What you're doing is trying to help someone see that what they think is in limbo is solid. You <laughs> don't have to That's wonder good. anymore what God really thinks of you. And I think that the clearest distinction that I I want to hammer home this year with myself and and you and with people and friends and anyone I encounter is it's just that man like the end of discipleship is not a more faithful you yep. the end the goal of discipleship is a free you you yeah. realizing recognizing reveling in the fact that you are free and that freedom will lead to the enjoyment of things that protect freedom the things that uphold freedom Yep. and dignity and honor in your life and in the lives of others. I guess the question is, do we trust him enough to go all in on it? That's, that's right? the question. And that always is okay. So then what's he like? So I can do so. Well, that's, that's what we're unpacking. <laughs> yep. That's where we're going. That's what we're seeing and keep seeing. And um, amen for it, man. Amen for it. If there's a, if we can point to to more people within this grassroots movement of scandalous grace, the end of 2023, amen. Yep. Because um, let's face it, man, only free people will help others live free. That's the mm-hmm. why. When people are like, man, why discipleship at the core of everything? I'm like, well, because Jesus said so. <laughs> <laughs> but um, But also because only free people can actually help others live free. So to that, and to this year, and to more good news coming your way. Thank you for those who are listening. Thank you for those who are joining in in this work. Thank you to those who have been jumping in and helping to give to support this ministry. If you haven't done so yet, feel free to go to larksite.com. Click the give button. We are a nonprofit 501c3, so all donations are tax deductible. And 100% of your giving goes to the spread of this good news. Boom. The world drowning in religion. So, yep. To that I say, cheers, cheers. cheers.